Welcome to the Tone That Made Us podcast. My name is James and my co-host Dan Cav. Our guest this week is a great friend and influential player in the New York hardcore scene. His career has spanned over 30 years as Axeman for bands like Absolution, Burn, New York Hoods, Die 116, Pry, Side by Side, New York Crew, Canonized, and The Big Collapse. When he's not playing music, Gavin is the owner and head coach at Physical Culture Collective, Diamond Heart Striking and Jiu-Jitsu, and Van Vlack's Strength and Conditioning. Welcome to the podcast, our good friend, Gavin Van Vlack. Great to be here, guys. Um, is audio coming through okay? It's coming through. Yeah, slight delay. All right, good, great, great. So we want to start this off with, the, with what we think is the is the million-dollar question. We always hear the stories of why people started playing music, being influenced by Kiss or the Beatles or whatever. But what was the first piece of musical equipment that made you fall in love with music, that made you want to play guitar? Oh my God, that's like, you know, that, that question in general. Uh, I mean, in oh God, I mean, the guitar itself is one of the sexiest fucking instruments on the planet. I mean, it's shaped like, I mean, I'm going to take shit for this. It's shaped like a woman, you know? Um, the I mean, the first guitar I had wasn't the first guitar. I wasn't the guitar I wanted. I mean, I think we all kind of um we all you know we all wanted that flying v or that sg or whatever but when you first start out it's whatever you can get your fucking hands on and uh i think some of my first guitars were like i mean you could get like these crappy silver tones from like the montgomery ward catalog i mean that's how old i am um, but I mean, when you speak to that about like, yeah, but when you speak to that and you think about it, I mean, um, John Spencer, that fucking guitar that he got, he had since he was a kid and he got it that that was like his first guitar he got out of like a Montgomery Ward catalog and let's talk tone. I mean, anybody, yeah. Anybody who is not aware of John Spencer, I know there are some people that are out there, but uh, take those two words, throw them in a fucking, throw them in a, in a, in a, uh, in a search window on Spotify and fucking enjoy. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a weirdo electric guitar with uh, single coil pickups. Um, uh, like an I old Hagstrom? Like an old Hagstrom or something like that? It wasn't even a Hagstrom. Um, it was just an old beaten up piece of crap um, that, I mean, and we're bringing it back now. I mean, my first amplifier was plugging in reverse through the fucking headphone jack on a stereo. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you, you used to be able to do that, you know? Um, so how old were you? And, uh, Oh, fuck. I was probably about six, five, six. Nice. Um, 
It's amazing. You know, the first guitar I ever got my hands on was like a, it was like a class, a student classical guitar that my mom was my mom owned that she was like, don't touch my guitar. So finally, when I got tired of like sneaking, you know, sneaking cheap feels off her guitar, and that sounds fucking horrible. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I saved up money because um, I used to, you know, I used to sell hides as a kid. I used to I used to hunt and I used to trap. And uh, I saved up like, you know, rabbits, muskrat and stuff like that. And uh, I you bought, traded I wampum for your first guitar. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, dude. Uh, look, and I, I was raised, I was raised mad country, dude. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not even sorry about it. That's amazing. I, I, I totally, <laughs> it I totally, what it is. My, I mean, I, I, I love my upbringing and it, it, my upbringing made me very, very suited to living, to living in the wilderness. That was the Lower East Side back when I was a teenager. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, really, I did. I basically, I basically traded wampum for fucking, uh, for a fucking, uh, to get money to buy a guitar. That's um, great. My first amp, my first amp was like a knockoff single speaker. It was like a knockoff Fender, uh, single speaker, 10 inch, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, uh, and, I, think uh, I had a Holmes, yeah, that was, I had a Holmes, which was basically an air conditioning company, but they were making yeah. amps for like some, you know, some <laughs> discount, uh, retailer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, not everybody can be like, you know, like, like Yamaha and do everything well, you know, it's like, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was the first. That was the first. God, you guys have me thinking about how fucking ridiculous my my early musical career was. Um, career, yes, the career of a seven year old musician. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll start somewhere. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, that was like six, seven years old, and. I didn't know anything about like foot pedals or any of that until I was like, you know, probably about 10, you know. Oh, the ripe old age of 10. 10. Dude, the ripe old age of 10. (laughs) I basically, I hitchhiked. Yes, hitchhiked, stuck my thumb out at 10 from Fairhaven to Burlington, Vermont to buy an MXR Distortion Plus. I I fucking, I risked ending up on a fucking milk cart to get a distortion pedal. For a distortion plus. This is so amazing. I just, I think about, I was talking to to a friend of mine. I was like, yeah, when I was your son's age, I was taking the L train into Manhattan and skateboarding all day with my friends at the Brooklyn Banks and then heading home for dinner. And my parents had no idea where I am. I'm like, I can't imagine letting my 12 year old do that. No, not at all. Nah. I mean, I talk, I, you mean, I talked to friends of mine about like, they're like, you used to hitchhike. Well, what happened if you didn't get a ride? I'm like, you sleep in a fight. You literally sleep in like a culvert, you know? It's like, <laughs> you know, but that was just what we did as kids, you know? It was like, I mean. No, that's what you did yeah, as a know, kid. Like, uh, <laughs> that is not that is not what we did as kids. <laughs> Going to the deuce is one thing. Sleeping in a culvert because you couldn't hitchhike <laughs> is a total other thing. Well, you want to stop hitchhiking usually around like, you know, around like 11, 12 o'clock. It gets, and the, ro- the roads get kind of barren. Oh, that's you know? 
<laughs> but yeah, I hitchhiked, I hitchhiked to Burlington, huh. Vermont, and back to get an MXR Distortion Plus. And I got, yeah, Amazing. I got there and I realized I had more money than I wanted. So I got a Distortion Plus and I got a Phase 90. And that was like, it was just so on. But it didn't matter because. Those I had are, already uh, poked. I had already stabbed holes in my speakers. <laughs> that's, that's what you did to get distortion. You know, it's like, you yep. know, um, yep. <laughs> uh, so then, when you, uh, so you know, you have your your early stuff, and you start playing. You pick up those pedals. Uh, when did you start like actively playing in any kind of band, and what did you graduate to? to be playing in a in a different setting what did i graduate to i think the next the, the next i kind of real guitar i ever had was um the the next guitar i had was the first like yeah legitimate like it was a legit guitar it was one of those crammers with a with a floyd rose nice. and that was probably that was Amazing. when i had gotten down to the city and um we bounced around and i really didn't play a lot um, I would go, I would go into like music stores and get like, you know, get out of here, kid kind of shit. If I picked up a guitar, um, and right. at one point we moved out of the city and then because my mom was standing up in Westchester and my sister kind of thought that it would give me a little focus if I got a guitar so basically what she did, because this is how she is, she's like, she gave me a bunch of odd jobs to do. And basically I earned my first, you know, Kramer, which I think was like $300 for like one of those, like, it was like a C-scale Kramer with a Floyd Rose, uh, Floyd Rose bridge on it. And uh, because that was all, you know, that, that was the shit because I think God at that age, you know. That's um, a serious price for a guitar in the early eighties. Yeah. 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 Um, I busted my yeah. ass doing like yard work, cleaning shit and, you know, just doing, but my, you know, my sister who was like, man, the house is like, well, you want it. You fucking, you know, you earn it. And, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but I think about like, you know, like guitarists that were out back then, like, I mean, Eddie Van Halen, like, was like, you know, was like, you know, you heard what he did with a Tremolo, you know, with, with a fucking bar. And it was like, wow. Or, or Randy Rhodes or um, anybody along those lines. Um, even at that point, I think like even Tony Iommi had started like utilizing it. Like if you like listen to like uh, Mob Rules or uh, uh, Heaven or Hell, you hear that influence. And then, oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Um Glenn and I'm, I'm the I'm pulling all metal influences up here because this is all like Glenn Glenn <laughs> Tipton and KK Downing from Judas Priest, um, you know, and you think about you know disgusting, 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 amazing, sickening guitar work yeah. like um, Screaming for Vengeance, where those guys totally reinvented themselves as guitarists because if you listen to everything before that in Judas Priest, it was all. It was rock, but really bluesy based rock. Yeah. And those guys kind of reinvented metal to a degree. And I think part of that was because of like Iron Maiden had come out and Iron Maiden were like, they were a new band at that point. You know, they had a couple of albums, but 
you know, they came out and then they did the switch over with fucking Bruce Dickinson and it was like, you know, Man. boom. Yeah. And I think that put a lot of the older metal bands on, on notice, you know, like you gotta, fuck, you gotta, you gotta change, you know, you gotta grow. You know, I, I think, and I think yeah, that was, a sure. good, I mean, and that was kind of cool. Cause that it's weird because if you think about now where, you know, certain certain older metal bands tried to like do the new metal thing or when other metal bands back in the 90s tried to be grunge it just didn't wear well um you know yeah um, well they, the chameleons through the times right there were there were well, so yeah, many I mean, of those but, bands, that, yeah. but that also goes to the thing where people are oh we're trying to get that we're trying, you know, we're trying to get that tone. And when it comes down, and we're talking about tone here, when it comes down to tone, you know, um, you know, you look at your grunge players and like, I'll put Kurt Cobain in there, but he plays, his fingers have a different tone than like those early metal guys do. Or Kim Thayhill has a different tone than, because his playing style and that's tone, tone comes from your hands. You know, I'm a big believer in that. Um, I don't think you can have all the best. I and I've I've worked with people who invested in all the best equipment in the world, and they still what their stuff this sounds like a flaming trash fire full of horseshit. You know, um, you know, you can you can go out and buy the best mic in the world, but if you can't, but if you carry a tune like a hand grenade, it ain't going to help you. You know? For sure. So, um, yeah. so once you got yeah. that Kramer, so what was the first real yeah. amp you graduated into? Oh, oh, that I lucked into this. Um, because I lived there. The only real music store around there was like there was a music store in Katona called Katona Music, and it's funny because like the guys, the guys from Bold will talk about that place as well. Um. Um, and they had this Dean Markley rack head, which just had this fucking distortion to it. That was like so amazing. Um, and that was like the first, and I had like a little two 12 inch speaker. Was it a vertical two twelve? On uh, no, no, it was a horizontal side by side. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because um, remember, ADA yeah. put out those vertical two twelves to make a four twelve, but you could put one on each side of the the stage. That was kind of yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Um, Marshall tried to do that recently too, as well. A couple of a couple of companies have tried have tried to pull that. Um, yeah, I mean, I I can understand that, especially now with, I mean, because now I mean, I, like most of my all my like, quote unquote real gear is kind of in the closet like for home recording i use a i use a fractal you know um i love the versatility of it uh it's you know chris trainer turned me on to it chris and uh, sergio turned me on i really like the versatility of it yeah um you know i like i like the um i've i love the convenience of it you so know? what did you model what what did you model in that fractal um, cause you're well, known I, to have I, some pretty mean tone. You've got some killer amps. Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's funny because I'm actually, you guys are going to fucking hate me because I'm giving <laughs> that, uh, that 72 JMP 100 watt. Hold on. You yeah. just said giving and Dan and I both gave you the look like what? I, yeah, I'm giving it to your Ryan Hackney. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, you're right. You're right. One of my studio. favorite fucking people on the planet. Um, I think he gets, um, I've worked at his, at his, I've worked at his studio. Um, he gets amazing sounds. Um, he's also, I mean, he's also like, he's really under like a, like a really good mentorship and tutelage of both Joel Hamilton and Kurt Ballou. Yeah. Which is like, you couldn't, you couldn't talk about like two fucking sound wizards right there. For sure. Um, you know, and I, I've got like an album's worth of more than that. I've got probably about two albums worth of material in storage up at Orion's studio. Um, that I'm I like the second I can get my feet on the ground from like all the all the other you know side stuff that not even side stuff that I'm doing like the band the gym stuff that I'm handling right now. Uh, I want to get that. I want to get yeah, that yeah. stuff released because I mean the last thing I released is what two years ago that canonized record. Canonized, yeah. You know, and- yeah. Yeah. And uh that that was I mean that was awesome. Uh, I actually got an offer to do um there's a promoter a promoter is talking about cuz they're bringing live shows back and they were like, "Yeah, we're we're uh, we want to do Cold Cave. Is there a possibility that you could put a canonized lineup together?" You got Which, two volunteers right here if you need us cuz I got to tell you I, dude, I've heard everything you've done since, you know, I was a teenager. And I got to tell you, Canonize is some of the, my favorite stuff that you've done. Thank you so much. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, because I have to get my, my voice back online and going. I mean, and that's a matter of like, that's like, that's like, I mean, it's a bit like fight training. I ch- approach everything like fight training. Like I got to put my, I got to put my reps in. I got to put my time in. I got to do double days. You know, I got to wake up, do, do my finger exercises uh, religiously, you know, like has to be like, you know, a daily thing and get my reps in. And then like, yeah. you know, wait a couple hours to be able to do vocal warm ups and get my pipes back online and uh, you know, all that stuff. Cause I still believe in that. I mean, I've had people who are like, Oh, you know, you don't have to do that stuff. I, for me, it, it might just be psychological, but I do. Um, I like doing that stuff. So. Process is everything, man. Process. Is yeah. Everything. So, yeah. so, okay. So you modeled the killer JMP, which by the way, yeah, Dan, no, Dan and I were lucky enough to have at our old house for quite a while. And we used it on the skull crusher record. It, I mean, what a great, great head. So what else did you model in the fractal that fractal that you're using? Um what do I have modeled in there? Uh I've got a couple there's a couple things that came stock in there that I fucked with, which is like this one called Pasadena 78, which is very much a Van Halen-esque kind of sound. Nice. Um I put a few of my own yeah. tweaks, I put a few of my own tweaks to it. Um there's a there's a there's a there's there's like a, uh, a a preset for a Buddha in there that I've basically dirtied up uh, a little bit more to get a little bit more of like a Billy Gibbons esque 
kind of uh like the sound that he had on rhythmine if you listen to that fucking sound it's like that that guitar sound is one of yeah. the sexiest guitar sounds ever um and then there's a couple of weirder clean tones that i'm kind of playing with uh and then there's also like you know i'm like i'm like i'm i'm, I'm you know i'm mating up like let's say like a saldano with um a marshall or let's say like a like a like a uh vht pitbull with uh something that's got a little more nice. fucking uh um like a blue joe or something something's got a little bit more of an organic sound because that pitbull sound is, is great but it's very it's very kind of uh uh mesa boogie fucking like uh you know very square sounding almost it's not as dynamic you know? when you get to layer that second tone that cleaner tone it picks up all the harmonics yeah and i find you need to do that um because otherwise it just it, it you're just you're just shitting out big blocks of square sound <laughs> and that's yeah. i mean that, that's great there's there dude there's bands that have like kind of done that like helmet was big like that was what made helmet so fucking amazing was that it was almost like a minimalist tone thing to it i'm not saying that they don't have a tone but it was very what they did was very stuck out to a degree yeah and uh you know yeah. i thought that was you know um yeah there's it's just so many fucking like really cool there's a lot of really cool shit in there and you know you can you can go and deep dive stuff and like with the pedals and stuff that they have there um and it's funny because i think that people get really caught up in uh like oh it doesn't sound exactly like you know but i don't sound exactly like you know yeah. and quite honestly yeah. the music the the, the music listener that we want to play to i lord forbid if i played to a room full of gavin van flax it would be picking me apart every time every missed note every <laughs> note every fucking like you know every like mistake that i make dot 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 i would be the worst audience in the world you know um yeah. and i make a point yeah, of when i when i go to see someone to just try to listen to the music and not like because i will sit there and like look at some watch someone's technique you know if i really it you know admire how they play and then like you see them make a mistake you're like you know you try not to be like oh well they fucked that up da, da, da. yeah we're humans we all fuck up <laughs> um you know the, your average music listener who just yeah. loves your music doesn't really care of that it doesn't sound exactly like an ac30 you know there's another, yeah 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 there's another sound that i've used yeah for that more organic type of thing like take something that like simulates like a take like they have a, they have a great ts ts 808 pedal sound in there and hook that up to like their fucking their ac30 sound and it's fucking sounds just so good um but yeah i mean i i've done a lot of like you know like weird stuff with amps um you know die 116 i would use a couple like two different heads and 
you know, buy amp both sides. And that's one of the things I like about the fractal is like, just like the options are there to be able to do. I still like bringing two cabinets and having two different settings on stage. Um, <laughs> I haven't, been, you know, I haven't been able to get what. Uh, I, I'm just, we're just laughing because when you said the two cabinets earlier today, I was uh, telling James about uh, when Byrne played at Santos party house and we were unloading equipment and I turned around and you were just carrying two 412 cabinets, just like one luggage. in each hand. <laughs> and we were like, do you do you need a hand with that? And you were just like, no, I got them. And you just walked away with these two 412 cabinets. Well, that's, that's, it was one of the best things I've ever seen. Dude, dude when, I play, when I played in uh, Big Collapse, I played bass and I played fucking, I had an SVT fucking, you know, 810. And I refused to let anybody out because that was my shit. I would fucking carry that thing upstairs. Like I wouldn't bang the back of the cabinet. I would fucking get that thing up on my back and walk with it. Like, you know, Jesus Christ. That's amazing. But you know, it's a, uh, uh, that's a, uh, you know, it's a, uh, but the, I mean, I was never, I mean, it's weird because I remember talking with uh, a couple of different people about that use of fractal and they're like, Oh yeah, you can just go up and you don't need to bring cabinets. I would feel naked. I'd be, I think I would get, a new um I, I i probably i would probably get a new kind of stage fright not having my security cabinets up on stage with me yeah you know um yeah that's just one of those things uh but yeah i mean it's like tone tone to me has always been about you know the fingers um and very seldom do you get anybody who can mimic someone's someone's fingers and tone that way. Like if you think about tone, like let's yeah. talk about like bass players like Daryl Jennifer, you know, nobody who's got like there's a bit, there's been one person that's even gotten close to that, you know, and that was MCA. Adam Yao was the closest person to ever get to Daryl's tone. Yeah. You know, and I know, I know, yeah. and I'm not even going to mention names. I know there's going to be people getting vexed on that. Well, I will fuck that. No, that's a fact. Adam had it down. Adam, Adam studied Daryl, you know, studied Daryl and understood, yeah. understood that. Cause it's not you know? just, it's not just the, the, the fingering, his, his picking patterns are so yep. unique and different from other bass players. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like Algis from the Swans. who's a fucking monster. A monster, in my opinion, totally done. Now, I'm not going to say underrated, but not talked about enough. I mean, we'll talk about, let's, I mean, let's talk about, here's someone that I brought up, two people that I bring up, uh, one I've always brought up, which is Vic Venom from Nausea. Okay, who no yeah. one can play like Vic. Yeah. Another person, Gina Volpe from the Lunatics. Oh yeah, Gina yeah. Volpe. Yeah, fucking yeah. totally, totally, totally understated and not appreciated player by the boys' club. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I think she and she, even today, I mean, she just she just, uh, released a new uh, a new single. She we work with. Uh, We've both worked with Barb Morrison, who's worked with Debbie Harry, and like Barb Morrison's a fucking genius on the level yeah. of 
Joel Hamilton and all of those people. Um, and uh, like, yeah, Gina just released this new single where she's, she's, she's really spreading her wings on. So she's brought in drum treatments and like, you know, but her sound is her sound. And I love that about her. Um, Very underrated band mm -hmm. for listeners out there. If you haven't gotten into the Lunachicks, I was blessed. Yeah. Underrated, underrated, but before COVID, you know, that they'd, they had already sold out two nights at Webster Hall, and now they've sold out three. Awesome. That's going to be the monster. That's going to be the monster tour of the fucking of 21, the Lunatic Tour, if they do do that. I'll tell you what, those sisters fucking, they fucking deserve all the success in the world because there's a lot of bands. Absolutely. There's a lot of bands, and one really in particular, that use their aesthetic as a stepping stone to get to where they are. You know, and I'm not going totally to pull yeah. cards and yeah. unfortunately that worked against them with some people. They didn't take them seriously, but I got to, I mean, I got to see them. Yeah. I got to see them from side stage. I got to really, I mean, they are monster players. Everyone's a theater. Everyone, everyone's a, Squid's a great player. Squid's an awesome bass player. They've all got amazing presidents, a uh, president, presence, chips and Presidents. They've they've had they've always had really great fucking solid drummers, and Theo Kogan, their front person, is a fucking powerhouse. Mm. She is a multi talented individual. That band, I mean, it's like if they get super successful late in the career, then I'm glad for them. I'm fucking really glad for them. But again, going back to it, yeah, and, absolutely. You know, for you for you ladies who are picking up fucking guitar, check out Gina Volpe. Okay, if you want inspiration, and for a lot of you guys, I'm telling you what, man, do not front. Check this player out. She's amazing. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I'm trying to think of people that like, oh, God, oh, God. I would marry him in a second. Jay Farrell from Swiss, just on guitar alone. I, I would just marry gonna, him for his guitar I was just gonna alone. Bring not even including his rugged James Dean good looks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jay's, Jay's like, I mean, God, I remember the first time I ever saw Swizz, I was like, holy fuck. His playing style was just so fucking just amazing, you know? Um, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, there's like so many players that I don't think get the credit that they fucking they really really deserve. I mean, you know, we all we all know. I mean, when you talk about the you know the the you know the big bands in you know New York hardcore, you know you you got to think like you know Paris Paris and Doug definitely Doug. Christ almighty, Doug on the fucking Adjustment to Society album. Uh, that, oh God, Doug Holland's yeah. guitar sound on that is so, yeah. so fucking good. Give it to, I um, mean, and no matter what side of the fence you're on with that, with the whole Chromax thing, and, and I, I certainly know which side I, I prefer, but, oh man, Harley's <laughs> bass tone on that record yeah. is in. Same. Yeah, but it's because Harley's Harley's fingers are those are Harley's fucking fingers. You know, no one's got you know, yeah. no one's got that. And he's this is someone who's taken 
you know, taking the influences of, of a Daryl Jennifer, the influences of a Geezer Butler, the influences of a Lemmy, and the influences of like Jaco Pistorius and turn this into what Harley does. Yep. You know, and that's the thing. And it's like, it's yeah. about his fingers and his tone. Um, yeah, and there's no one that plays the way that he does. Not at all. Um, so, yeah. so actually, so yeah. now that we're talking, we're back on bass players. And so Big Collapse, killer band, amazing players. I mean, Josh put together a hell of a league of guys to play on that record. And, and I was lucky enough to also get to see you guys play. You know that I toured with Josh uh, at one point and always loved his musical talents. So you you had an SVT bass cab, but the one thing I know about Josh and the one thing I knew about that band is nothing is done by accident. The tone that even when Josh was doing shift, the entanglement of tone of that whole band was was really intentional. So what what bass gear were you playing at that point? I was playing, I have, uh, I have a really amazing old 1972 Fender P-Bass. Still have it. Um, it's a phenomenal bass. Amazing bass. Uh, it was an old uh, mid-80s SVT tube. Um, heavy I, as fuck. I have one. And we're not giving um, it back to the guy that owns it. He'll, he'll have to. And he'll never drive to Connecticut to get it. So I'll keep it safe and sound for him. Um, I had. I've done enough favors. I own yeah, that head. I had a TS nine hundred nine and a fucking Marshall Governor on that. Um, which I the lost governor. the Governor. They're yeah. out there. Well, that, out that there. I got too from expensive like, to to get it. The first person I ever saw use that was Tim from Rage Against the Machine. Um. Is that his thing? The bass player from Rage Against when we played with them at the when we played with them at uh um where it was us, them, and body count. What the fuck was that show? Uh da, da, da. I forget it was like up towards on 43rd Street. I forget the venue. But I was like, what the fuck is that? The Academy? And I looked at it. the Academy, yeah. And he had Academy, he had yeah. that in his law in his thing, and he hit that, and it was like, whoa. Um, and I had a fucking uh, a crybaby bass pedal, bass wah pedal nice. on that. Um, nice. Yeah, no, Josh. Josh is very exacting, very, and he knows what he wants. Um, he's a very, um, very focused about how he goes about his tone and how he goes about. Like, I remember that from yeah. the the gear that we were hauling around at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, but that was also that big collapse gig. That was stepping into really big shoes because that first fucking album is Manny Carrero. <laughs> the man. The, the fucking manster. He's a fucking, that guy is a monster player. Amazing, amazing, Absolutely. amazing yeah. player. Um, one of the best, one of the best burn practice sessions I've ever had was. With him and Abbas Muhammad, love Abbas. And this is a shout Abbas out to Abbas. Is Abbas is so fucking. He's just such an amazing. And it's so funny because when I first met him, he was just this kid who came in, and we auditioned three people that day, and two of the guys were 
it was kind of, it was kind of, they suffered old guy syndrome. They came in, they thought, oh yeah, well, you know, I've known these guys, so I'll have the gig. And they were just dropping shit left and right. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. And a boss comes in and it was like, and he just, he walks in and Manny's playing and he's just like, kind of like fanboying on Manny a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm in, a room. I get it. I'm, in a room, I'm in a room with Manny Carrero and he just fucking killed it. Fucking just absolutely slaughtered it. A boss and this is a lefty really, machine. Yeah, he's he, um. This is also a young boss, a young, very impetuous. Like at times, I would have to talk off the ledge. A boss, Mohammed, which he's. It's kind of really cool too to see how he's matured as a musician. You know, because we would go over parts, and I mean, and Dan's known me musically for a long time, and he knows that how I like achieve weird shit is through redundancy and making uncomfortable situations more comfortable and a boss i'd be like okay well let's try to play it this way and he'd play through it he'd be like oh no 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 that's awkward that's awkward i'm like it's awkward because it's the first time you've ever tried it let's do it like 10 times and you'll see you know and he's learned those you know those lessons and i mean he's you know He's doing shit with he's doing shit now. Like his own music is fucking really good. Um, I'm I'm losing the name of the band that he's playing with, but they're becoming really successful. Um, he's just such a great player. I got to um, touch base with him. I miss that guy. Great dude. He's a fucking great dude. He is a great dude. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump us here just because people absolutely want to hear this. Yep. Uh, Everyone that knows you is going to know the Les Paul. I have to jump to this just because we'll talk all night about everything. Uh, we kind of we we got yeah. to your JMP, but we kind of skipped over the matching piece of that equation, which is uh, the Les yeah, Paul Deluxe. The- so, how did you come across that guitar? And just uh, tell us that about guitar it. of St. Mark's. Uh, it was probably it was definitely stolen for a hundred dollars. <laughs> Most likely, I would say if it wasn't in the 80s, I would say it was probably stolen from some band of brownies because that wasn't that was very much a thing. Like, you know, you you remember playing brownies like you do not leave your gear. You always leave someone sitting by the gear in the back or you would end up on fucking St. Mark's in like 15 minutes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but I was like I was working in nightclubs at the time, so I was always kind of flush. I always had money. And this guy came up, he's like, yeah, yo, you want to buy a guitar? Da, 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 da. And he, he's like, he's like, yeah, $200. I'm like, I got $100, which you now I had like $500 on me, but I was like, fuck that. It's stolen. So he took it, $100, boom, and cash and carry. And, you know, uh, fuck both of it, you. Dan got $100 less, Paul. You got $100 less, Paul. <laughs> Jesus, man. That's amazing. So when you say you got it on St. Mark, the entitlement of this guy, the entitlement of this guy. <laughs> I know. You legit, you didn't get it at St. Mark's You didn't get it at St. Mark's guitar shop. You legit bought it on oh, St. Mark's. Off the street. Off the street. Yeah. <laughs> I love on it. the street. <laughs> I bought it off the street. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Did it, it already have the humbuckers in it? Uh, yeah, was it rounded uh, no, already, it had, or did it, had, it, did it have two? It, no, minis? it had junior. It had juniors in it, so I immediately took it out and butchered it. 
<laughs> people kick it works. people are like what the fuck did you do to that guitar i'm like everything i wanted to <laughs> i don't plan on selling it i don't plan on ever letting it go i'm not like you know yeah. i've got some great yeah. guitars but i'm not one of those like oh it's a collectible this that dot 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 everything i have is like I'm like a mechanic with that shit. Like it's like this serves a purpose. You gotta make Once it. Guitar, you gotta make it. Work yeah, when a guitar yeah. doesn't serve a purpose anymore, I just don't. You know. Yeah. I'll I'll give it to someone who has a purpose for that guitar. And I'm I'm gonna say I, you know I I know that guitar yeah. intimately. Uh, that guitar has been down to bear everything on on yeah. my workbench. Uh, and I, I've put it back together. As much as I love that guitar, uh, I I absolutely loved when you switched to the SGs. I I think the articulation you got out of the SGs, and then from there going to that PRS. Um, as much as I love yeah. that Les Paul, I think you shine. You shine yeah. with other guitars. Well, I mean that also gets down to the fact that like I mean it's also with certain guitars. Like I have a Tele that I I'll play every once in a while, which sounds amazing. Which um, if you hate the hundred dollar guitar story, James, you're gonna hate you'll you'll fucking really no, no, I, I can't <laughs> lie. You get disgusted at the fucking at the telly story. I can't lie. I've gotten some good buys. I'm not gonna complain. I got my JMP for four hundred bucks, which that's my that's great. gear that I'll then that's the I, uh, I I I traded a pair of Doc Martin Ox blood boots for this Telecaster with Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. <laughs> <laughs> like he was he was because he used to hang out at Mojo Guitar all the time, and there was a point where you could walk into Mojo Guitar and you would walk in and it would be like there's Billy Gibbons, Bob Quine from Lou Reed, and fucking Mark Rebo, and then like you know. You know, John Spencer would walk in or fucking like Paige Hamilton or like, you know, it was like this little like little yeah. talk shop, you know, and uh, but um, Bob Quine, who was like a really, really fucking sweet, sweet guy and like it gave me like it was so funny because I didn't know that he had actually heard anything I had done and he goes, you know, of all those guys, I really what you do makes sense to me and I really like your playing. And that was one of the biggest compliments I'd ever gotten from somebody like of that level. Cause Bob Quine, you know, Bob Quine to me, he's like, uh, he's like the Mingus of fucking punk rock, you know? Um, and it was funny to sit there and listen to him and, and Rebo talk about music, you know, because they're two, you know, polar, they're, they're really good friends, but really like polar opposites to where Rebo can go into a session, never hearing a track, listen to it once and then blow over it. And then Quine's like, you know, I need a pot of coffee, a fucking protractor, a fucking compass, like, you know, to find my way through 16 bars of a fucking song, you know? Um, so but, you, like, you legit know, got that from Billy Gibbons? Billy Gibbons, yeah. So tell that story. Um, it was there, it was at Mojo. He was, um, his guitar tech was this guy, Elvis, um, who's the legendary guitar tech. And, uh, Billy had a bunch of stuff there that Chris was uh, Chris was having uh, having redone because I I think they, Billy was doing some sessions in New York and he had it. It was an old older body, um, older body telly, really heavy, really dense, um, and it had an all parts neck on it. Still does, and uh, he had it set up like Keith Richards style with no high E string. 
Okay. And uh, I was sitting there fucking just like, you know, I asked if I could play it. And I'm having a good time with it. He goes, you like that guitar? I was like, yeah, it's fucking great. He goes, I don't, he goes, I don't really, yeah, I don't get along with it well. And I'm like, really? I'm like, uh, what do you want for it? He goes, and I was wearing a pair of, a pair of, uh, of, of, then not, I didn't give him the pair I was wearing, but he was like, you know, I, he goes, I'd love a pair of boots like those. And I just happened to, and this gets into other stories about like people would know why I had a, like a, an inventory of Doc Martin boots and flight jackets at one point in my yeah. life. Um, <laughs> but that's a whole different story. Um, I was like, uh, yeah, wait right here. And I ran home, but I'm back here to the squat and, uh, grab, you know, grabbed a pair of size 10, I think there was no 11, uh, Doc Martens, Oxbloods and brought them over to Mojo. I was like, here you go. And he's like, here you go. And it was boom. Fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. That Absolutely is a, amazing. That's it's a great guitar. That's so cool. So you mentioned the squat. One thing I always, you know, so I've heard a lot of stories about all the squats. Uh, unfortunately, I probably didn't start coming to the Lower East Side until the 90s when maybe some of that was still going on in Avenue A, but it started to get a little gentrified. But, you know, I've heard Roger tell stories. I've heard Freddie tell stories. I've heard you tell stories. Um, how did you protect your gear in the squats? Like, what did you um, do back then? You had you had some cool shit. I mean, other than the fact that you were a monster and nobody would want to cross you, um, how, you know, how did you – was was theft of your gear uh, an issue? Well, the thing is also because, like, I started rehearsing, like, in rental rooms at a point, you know, to where I didn't keep a lot of gear at home. I would keep a guitar and an amp. At one point, I did have a lot of gear here, but I also kept my place really, really well secured. Um, like I would, I would, I would invest in fire doors and like you know, like have shit well secured and like you know, you couldn't break in easily. Um, it's funny because I, I talk about like you know, you talk about squats and everybody's like you know they've been to my place that I live in now, which is nice. And I'm always really good at hooking places up. But I'll tell you what, man, I've never seen anybody hook a, a spot up like Roger Murray. Roger Murray is just a fucking crowd. He, he, <laughs> he does everything well. He's an amazing carpenter. He does good engine work. Like, yeah, he's just that guy's like he's got he's got like triplicate man card kind of shit going <laughs> on. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> like I'm. Um, I don't think I've ever really had anything stolen out of here, which was like, yeah. I mean, a lot of that was the fear aspect of who I was, you know? Also, there was like, you know, I kept other stuff. I kept other gear in my place too. If you wanted to break in, it was kind of not a smart idea. Um, so. Uh, yeah. And, and for the yeah, listeners, no. for the listeners that, that aren't aware you know, back back in the 80s, back in the 70s, back in the 80s in New York City, there were a lot of abandoned buildings. There were a lot of landlords that just walked away. They were too expensive. The neighborhoods were overrun by gangs, by drug dealers. And and there was definitely a contingency within our music scene, um, Gavin being, being a big part of it, that you guys would move into buildings 
you it's not about stealing a place you guys legitimately moved in renovated hooked up hooked up water made these buildings livable and at one point and and you'll you'll know better than i am a a mayor and i can't remember which mayor it was and maybe it was dinkins and but they basically allowed you guys a program to buy your place. Am I right? Well, but what happened was with us, it was ironically Giuliani because of his whole, he rolled tanks down 13th street. Um, so like, remember you, you guys ever go to any of the lucky 13 shows? Yeah. The show like, like yes. absolution played there with nausea a couple times, but lucky 13, yep. like that building Rosie Dawson grew up in that building. Her mom used to run that block. Like she would walk that block with a baseball bat, kicking drug dealers off it. Um, and that place, they had a forge. That place was a fucking, that place was, a, was I don't want to say commune in a bad sense, but they had a really good thing, a really good community going on. And uh, the city rolled down and basically like went to evict those buildings. And Giuliani got so much bad press from it because coming off of that and then the tales of the fucking the the riots um basically they were like okay we have to do something with it and what they tried to do is like well we'll try to find a legal way to get them out in which they came at us with like well we're sending inspectors to your buildings which we were all well and good because i used to drink with the guys from the local fire department so we kind of knew like every they told us listen this is what you have to do to make the hallways up to code so they can't evict you and it's all about having it so the fire department is safe when they're in there. Sure. Um, and basically, they came through. They found one bullshit uh, violation that was fixable. They couldn't shut us down for it. And then the next thing was the next thing we we got we heard was like, well, you know, you guys are eligible to buy the building. So we did. Got you know, I mean, yeah. And uh, you know, but the sad thing about that. And this is that there was a bunch of people buildings in the community that were still like there's a certain point where you got to put your fucking middle finger down and they're like don't fuck that we're not gonna fucking sell out and okay well then they're just going to evict you and that's what happened we went into it with 18 buildings we came out of it with 11 i think we're down to about seven now in this neighborhood that's awesome what a great story it's crazy um so let's get back onto gear for a second so we've all had the, the the pleasure of being able to i've got that billy Gibbons story is pretty cool um we've all had the pleasure of like playing a piece of gear that is like a, a sort of a, a a wish list piece of gear right we've all had our hands on like one of the coolest guitars in existence or one of the coolest heads like have you ever played something that's that's brag worthy that like holy crap you know th- this this i really played through this yes matt wells's shop uh i played joe perry's marshall head that he had that he played on rocks nice. yeah that's wow. what I, but that's what i fucking modeled my jmp after i told matt i was like make yes, it sound that like the- that <laughs> yeah so yeah, to clarify on Gavin's JMP, Gavin's JMP is not stock. It was modded yeah. by Matt Wells. Uh and is a very interesting piece of equipment. Uh yeah, it's an amazing, amazing head. That's amazing. I I did not yeah, realize I, mean, that. I remember going in there 
And uh, going in, you ever been to Matt Wells' shop when he was on Green Street? I have not. It was amazing because we're doing it was in the basement of Green Street Studios. And you go in there and it was just like a cave of equipment. And I went in there one time and there is this pile. It's not a pile, it's well organized and very square, but it's all it's all fender twin tweeds. And I was like, wow. oh, cool, check this out. And I, I was like, what the fuck? And I put my hand in like, and Matt's like, oh no, no, get off those. Those are the lizards. The lizards. <laughs> Keith Richards. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Like, oh my God. Like, like yeah, because Keith would bring all like, and I forget what album they were doing, but Keith brought all his all of his fucking heads to Matt. That's so cool. you know, and uh I yeah, gotta ask and, uh, you actually, was, Gavin, the mod that he did on your JMP, did he happen to cover the circuit with like an epoxy? No, he didn't. Dan did, shaking yeah. his head, no. No, he didn't? No. No. No, it's not epoxied. It's uh I don't think it's anything. I mean, I don't know enough Sorry. about uh particular circuits to to tell you there's exactly a, what he did. There's a certain modification but besides he did the, the power tubes on it to where it, it breaks up a little bit earlier than normal. Got it. You know, yeah, my, it gets, my JMP had yeah, a uh, I, had a mod that was done where a second parallel game stage was put in. So it sounded like a JMP and it sounded like a dual wreck if you really wanted to crank up that game. Oh, wow. And I ended up selling it to a future guest. Actually, uh, he'll, he'll, I don't know if his episode's going to come out before or after yours, but Josh Newton, um, you know, from, right. you know, you know, Josh. Uh, and uh, we were never able to figure out what the mod was because he epox whoever did the mod epoxied over it so that you couldn't even pull it yeah. apart to figure out what he did to it. Oh, so he did it. I had people try. Yeah. So, yeah. so Gavin, yeah. I, I know you love your gear. You're not married to all of it. Um, you're philanthropic with some of it so what um what piece of gear is the one that got away what do you, what do you oh, wish yeah. you never got rid of oh yeah um dan will probably remember this one uh i had uh, an absolution i had this old uh old gold top i got it we buy for dirt cheap um for those of you who don't remember or who don't know, on 48th Street used to be all music stores. And it was like Sam Ash and, you know, all the, it was all there. Rudy's and like Manny's. Manny's. And, uh, and there was this one place which was just like grimy as fuck. We buy guitars. We buy guitars, yeah. You know, and it was like everything in that fucking place was hot. But I bought, I bought this gold top from there for like, Fuck, like 750 fucking bucks. It was a beaten to shit gold top. The um, best kind. Yeah. And uh, yep. yeah, I was on the West Coast and I was stuck out there and I had to fucking sell it to get back East. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one piece. That was ah, a great that guitar, guitar. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, I have another gold top now. I've got a 2012. Um, I bought it brand new because I'd never bought 
a brand new guitar before i was like oh, i'm gonna buy i literally one day was just sitting at home playing guitar and i was like i've never owned a brand new guitar like you know still stunk of brand new so i went and bought one i was like oh, i'm gonna do this now when i started getting a little bit of success i was like i'm gonna buy myself a brand new guitar i love that guitar i mean i've got three less balls now i've got the sunburst i've got a silver burst and i got a gold top Beautiful. Um, I used to have a sales guy that worked for me. His 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 best closing line was, "Hey, bro, treat yourself, bro." And that's what you did. You treated yourself. If you don't treat yourself, bro, who's gonna? That was his closing line, and it freaking worked every time. Son of a bitch. That's kind of true. It's kind of true. It is. Um, How'd you come I, across I, that I clear SG? Oh, I found that that fucking monster. Holy shit. That is that that I might as well hang like three three less balls around my neck. Oh, um, it's like wearing a coffee table. I have I have a Dan oh, Armstrong. Fuck, I know. My fucking thing is so heavy. I've got that set up now. That is set up as a baritone. Um, and I actually um, there's a good chance I might give that to the singer of Trophy Hunt, the singer guitarist for Trophy Hunt, who many people might know or might not know is my kid um and uh we we've talked about it. i was like yeah you want that oh is that they were like you talking about Kai? yeah yeah Kai. awesome yeah. what a good yeah can't even call him a kid he's a grown man he's got to be almost 30 years old now yeah my adult he's my adult oh god uh but uh dude you raised a good man yeah. Great stuff. Well, uh, I actually, just, uh, actually, I got I I to step bro. in there because he doesn't identify as that anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. Identify, identifies. Yep. No, 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 no. It's okay, dude. We've we've known them. We've known them that long as that. It's going to take us a little us a little time to transition out of what we're used to terming him as, and they understand that. Um, but yeah, yeah. trophy on. They shot me some files because I was hooking, hooking them up with uh, Orion might be working with them. And I listened to nice. it and I was like, wow, this stuff is fucking great. I still say there are better guitarists than me. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fall far, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I listened to uh, when, when they posted the uh, Trophy Hunt posted material to Facebook. Yeah. Uh, not too long. A week ago, two weeks yeah. ago. Uh, that was the first I heard. And I thought it was great. I listened yeah. to the whole thing. Um, I, I really dug it. Yeah. I, I really dug great. it. And I don't listen to most things I listen to on Facebook last me 30 seconds before uh, I'm yeah. on to the next thing. Fortunately, yeah. that's what society is impressed. Yeah, exactly. 30 second clips. Yep. Um, no, but that guitar is, uh, where did I get that fucking thing? Was it? Wasn't it like eBay? Yeah, it was on. It was like on eBay, and I was. It was a lark. I was like, "Oh, that looks interesting," and uh, I got it. And the neck was really kind of fucked up. It had a couple different necks on it. Um, and then uh, I had a uh, um, Kelvin uh, Kelvin Daly, basically set up uh he's a luthier that i go to who's amazing you should look him up if you're looking for work to get stuff done he i took i gave it to him I'm like can you make this into a baritone so he basically readjusted the neck and enforced it um 
and it's uh it is honestly it's it's i like it but it's not i'm not getting songs out of it so to me it's like it's not like um i got one of those one of those brick top telly baritones and every time i sit down with that i get something out of it right. um i've got a prs baritone that i really like um I think I have a couple other baritones, but I'm gonna go through my stuff. Um, but that's the thing, right? When you pick up a guitar, it's got to inspire. Like sometimes it inspires you, and sometimes no yeah. matter how great the guitar, it just nothing comes out of it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been writing on a Fender Six a lot lately, which yeah, is that's quite guitar. That's a Sergio thing, right? Yeah, Serge turn. When we were out with the Deftones, like every time, like I got a chance because he'd always have one backstage for a warm up, and I just sit there and fuck with it. And I just really got into it. Um, so one day, like I just, you know, hit. I, I got I got back from tour, and I was like, got on Sweetwater. I was like, I got to get one of those. Boom, you know. I'm bad Shout with internet. Sweetwater. I'm I'm bad with internet sites like that. Like Sweetwater, Sweetwater for guitar and Revzilla for motorcycles. It's like crack to me, dude. You know, Sweetwater actually does, um, they do something called Gear Fest every year where, yeah. where like tens of thousands of people end up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And, and I may be wrong. It could be close to 100,000. But they show up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they turn their entire campus, which is acres and acres and acres and acres, into this outdoor, multiple stages, every vendor in the music industry has booths and people just show up and you get to meet artists and you get to check out exclusive gear that's only available that week. It's, it's really rad. They did it virtually last year and it was still very successful for them, but when they get to do them in person, that's like, that's like one of those trips to Mecca. That's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's go. I'm in. Uh I would ride out to that. All right, road trip. We're going to get a Winnie. And the three of us, and I'm sure if we mention it, we could probably get three or four more to join us. We can do the uh, PRS tour. Oh, that's the easy. Way. Yeah. They were actually, if you've never done the uh, the Martin tour. They're in Maryland, right? What's that? Yeah, yeah. PRS is. Yep. PRS in Maryland. PRS right? in yeah. Maryland. Yeah, and Martin's yeah. right in Pennsylvania, um, Nazareth. That's a hell of a tour of a factory, and they legit walk you through the factory while guitars are being built. It's it's very very cool. All right, well, Gavin, we're so psyched that you took the time with us tonight, man. Um, if we can. Thanks for having me, man. What's that? Thanks for Thanks having for me. doing it. Yeah, brother. So uh, I, I think this will probably easily be lined up for an, for a, a part two because we, we didn't even touch on half the gear that you used in, in all of your bands. So um, we, we thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll reschedule another time. But um, I want to thank everybody for listening. And, uh, you know, Dan and I are just doing this for the love of bullshitting. You know, we're, Dan and I are doing this for the love of our wives who hate when we're all together and all Dan and I do is talk about gear. So we figured, how do we get it out? And uh, doing this podcast is the greatest way for us to talk gear without boring the shit of, out of our wives. So we thank you all for joining us and uh, appreciate your time.